Robo Warrior, you're Zed, half man, half cyborg, the one man battalion with a human heart and a computer's brain. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. I'm Joe. And I'm Sam. What is up, everybody? I'm not going to even let you answer that question. I'm going to get right to the facts. We are playing a Bomberman game. Whether you like it or know it or not, it is true. This is a Bomberman game. Like it just feels like Bomberman or it literally is Bomberman? In Japan, this game was called Bomber King, and Bomberman came out in Japan in 1985, so it's weird that we're actually getting this game before we get Bomberman proper, but uh, I know that like just because Bomber's in the name doesn't confirm anything, but they're also both made by Hudson Soft, and in Japan, they use the same art for this robo-warrior guy as they do for Bomberman. So, therefore, Robo Warrior is Bomberman and is considered part of that universe. So, is wow. the is the plot of Bomberman like in some way connected to this? I have no idea. Uh, I don't think Zed. I don't think Zed has ever been name dropped in Bomberman games. But uh, Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. That's a Pulp Fiction reference. Yeah, I knew guys. I that. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's yeah. like it's a lot of silence. A lot of silence there. We just wanted to leave you out to dry there. Yeah. All right. I don't want the viewers to think we're so young that we don't know what Pulp Fiction is. <laughs> Pulp Fiction was one of those old movies. Inverse of Joe's question: In Japan, is it the same story? Is this game the same story? Do you know? Oh no, that's a good question. <laughs> Unlike Joe's stupid question. Isn't it the same question? No. No, 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 because in Japan, I get it, yeah. In Japan, it would be possibly a different story that would connect it to the Bomberman universe, yeah. whereas uh, here, they're clearly not trying to make any connection to Bomberman. True. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys read the story in the manual about what the heck is going on with this game, but... I'm on chapter six. It's <laughs> kind of wild, yeah. Whatever. You want to run us through it? <laughs> it's a lot of exposition so for a game that I, I don't think really needs it. Like, they give you a backstory to the backstory. It's funny, though, because for having so much information, I feel like it just kind of starts in the... It's like the Star Wars like original. It just like starts in the middle of the story. Like, there should be a prequel now that explains what the heck they're talking about right off the bat. Yeah, like, they talk about how the planet was named, and then that's, like, half of the description. And then it's, like, what's actually... Like, why... What's actually happening to start off the events of the game. Right. Yeah, that's not enough for me. I I need like the reason for, you know, like why was the planet created? Forget the name, like give me the the overpopulation. It's it's funny that like the the backstory for this game which is actually much more detailed than like pretty much any other uh manual mm-hmm. backstory that we've read. Uh it basically Maybe not was Schoon. overpopulation. Uh so they just created an artificial planet never mind like trying to find a new one because uh, apparently we have we can't find new planets but we, we have the resources to create our own uh then it's like another millennia or so uh because they've even changed yeah. the way that we name our years um and we've all 
and all humans have forgotten what war even is. Uh, and then we're like, the new planet is invaded. I don't know. It just seems like a really roundabout way of, of like it not being Earth that's been invaded and destroyed. Like, I feel like this could have just been Earth being invaded. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Like, we didn't need all this, like, extra, it's extra steps. It's that mm-hmm, no yeah. one's really in it for the story. But I also thought it was funny that it starts out, like, the first sentence is in the year 2395, Earth scientists and engineers follow a tiles, L tiles plans. What? That's just, he's it a, just starts he's there. the scientist boy. Yeah. But, but uh, it didn't, like, give yeah. us any, we don't know who that is yet or anything. It just says they followed his plans. Uh, no, I think. I'm not sure if yours is cut off, but mine starts before. Oh, that. oh, okay. On, I actually didn't side. even see this paragraph that's under the title. There's a whole other t- paragraph there that I just missed. Back to chapter yeah. one, Joe. <laughs> okay, now I, now it makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you guys are questioning why it had to ever start with Earth or ever move away from Earth, but otherwise we'd have no explanation for Zed's name. He is the Z-type Earth defense. But that would make sense on Earth. <laughs> Yeah, but, more sense on Earth. That's not cool if it takes place on Earth. It has to take place on another planet, but then he is somehow like from Earth. It's 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 nice. I don't I don't agree. I'm just gonna end with that. Alright. Well, in this game, players play <laughs> as Zed. Uh you have to fight the uh Xantho Xantho Empire, uh destroy its leader Zer, and you do that. By uh, Zed uses primarily bombs, just like Bomberman, and uh, he he does that to hurt his enemies. He has a gun and a bunch of other things to destroy his surroundings. And there's various hidden items in each stage. This is my like generic overview of the game, but I think it'd be a lot more helpful if we just kind of I don't know talked about like what the main objective of this game is because every level. It is kind of similar in the sense that you have to just place your bombs, blow up your surroundings, uncover cool stuff, and find, like, either a key or a secret door or an exit of some sort in each level. And I wonder from, you know, maybe one at a time, Sean, we'll start with you. Is it satisfying to to play this game, to bomb stuff, and to look for these hidden items? Um, well, yeah, like, so we just uh, reviewed a game that the main concept is destruction of the environment. And here's another one. Uh, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit more the focus in a way, uh, in that at any, actually, no, they're, they're both kind of equally about blowing stuff up. But this one's a, a bit more puzzle-like, and it's not as mindless. Um, I'd say it was satisfying just the act of laying laying bombs and and watching it take out whatever's around. Uh I had I had some issues with the design um but I'm sure I'll get into that later. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that whereas the last game we played is more about destroying the environment, this one's about finding things in a destructible environment, which I think is a little different. And I think that moving the like the controls feel really good and very tight. And moving everything and shooting and placing bombs and changing your weapons out, I think that all works great. But the the point of the game, I think, is a little bit lost. And it can be a bit frustrating to navigate. And we'll get into that later. So I feel like I'm on the same page. Sorry. I, I think if it comes down to like being like, is it literally satisfying to lay the bombs and blow the things up? Like, in that sense, yes. But I, I you know, I, I was left wanting more. 
it starts out kind of leading you to think like, oh, okay, this is this interesting maze game. Uh, yes, there are like puzzle elements to it, but like that never really becomes much of a thing. Like I, like, I never felt like, oh, like th- I got to solve this interesting puzzle. It, it's either like, oh yeah, just blow up as much as as much of the environment as you can to find your way out. Just blow through forests of these trees, like literally just dense forests of these obstacles. Just could just keep blowing them up, keep getting bombs, keep blowing them up. Or it's like this, find a secret that there's really no clues to, or just keep blowing things up until you find the hidden item that lets you move on. We never felt like there was, like, enough of a maze element to make the bombing part, like, feel satisfying. Yeah, I think that the the bomb, the bombing aspect itself, right, of, like, laying down the bombs, then you have to, like, get away because they're dangerous and explosion, and then, like, the explosion isn't perfect, it actually, like... For certain pixels, it'll, like, leave half a dent or something. I think that's, like, a nice touch as well. There's all the good, like, foundations of using the bombs as, like, your main attack and and having that be a satisfying action to clear out what's in front of you. But there's just some small little things that I, I, I nitpick on that make it ultimately not that much fun. It pushes in the other direction. First thing I'm going to mention is just for all of these levels, keep in mind, like, this is a top-down, like, Zelda-looking style game. Uh, and if you think about the bombs that you can get in a Zelda uh, game, it's the same thing here. You lay them out and they explode and they reveal passages. It's very similar. Here, whenever you lay down a bomb, which remember is something that you do all the time, whenever you lay one down, you get this weird like pushback or bounce away from the bomb, mm-hmm. depending on, I guess, like what direction you're facing or something. It pushes you in that in that weird direction. And then only after the pushback, you then have to like, run away in the, in these narrow passageways to to make sure that you don't take any damage from the bombs the the combination of the pushback and the narrow passageways of most of the level cuz you have to blow things up to continue to explore makes it really like not fun whereas i i think what joe was saying about like if there was an actual puzzle exploration element to it and a more purposeful bombing it it could have been more fun than just well, to always move forward, you always have to bomb. Yeah. Um, so I, I found out several times that I, I, I seem to have been playing this game wrong. Um, I, I'd say that I do appreciate that the very beginning of the game sort of is just a freeform tutorial. Like they give you a bunch of pickups that, that sort of like tells you what these pickups do. Uh, they give you some stuff to bomb, but it's not like th- this isn't the game proper yet. I appreciate that um, that kind of like teaching moment, uh, but that just sort of tells you how to how to control the game mechanically. It's not really telling you how you should play. Uh, so I was sort of just fi- trying to find the path of least resistance because throughout this game, uh, you see that there's like rock formations that are sort of like the base uh like those you can't blow through it's really just blow up the trees and uh those will expose some pickups and and move your way through this like mini uh this mini maze um but it turns out that you pretty much have to just clear whatever you can like it, it may not be the way you need to go but you should probably blow up everything, not just so that you have more space to move around and not get blown up by your own bombs, but because 
to find some of the items that you need to pick up to prog- to progress, they may be hidden in like this out of the way part of the forest. Like I I don't know if I'm rambling right now, but uh, I I felt that like what what I was doing was like trying to find the the way to use the least amount of bombs to get through this level. Uh, but you should be spamming this shit. It's completely it was completely uh, unintuitive for me. I don't know yeah. what your guys' experience was. It, well, I think that just like brings it back to like it's not really a puzzle where it feels like it's like, just finding a needle in a haystack. It's just look everywhere until you find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, I, I mean, as you can pro- as you can imagine, gets kind of old after it's just screens and screens full of the same the same thing. And I mean, you know, there's there's more to it than that. But the, just on 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 that level, like that's kind of how it feels. Yeah, and I. I ran into this problem also, so I looked up, you know, what people, I looked up a speedrun of the game, and in the first area, or the second area where you can go, there's a little hidden staircase to get to the underground. So if you have a candle in the under, but, you know, I, no one's going to know that it's there unless you bomb a very specific area. Um, And then when you're in the underground, it kind of acts as like a hub where you can pick up all sorts of things really easily because there's no trees and no obstacles to bomb except for enemies. That kind of, I can kind of see how that like fits into the, into the loop a little bit. But even then, when I was in there, I had a candle that you're supposed to use to light it up. And then after a while, the candle went out and I didn't know where the exit was because I didn't have a candle and there were no lights. I was just going to say that same thing happened to me. and. Just a little, uh, a little behind the scenes here as to like what I've been thinking lately is that there's been a few games lately that we played that I feel kind of bad that I, I've, after the first level recently, I've been like, ah, okay, I, I, I'll just look up a walkthrough or I'll look up a playthrough. And I was like, said to myself, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that this time or I'm at least going to make some significant progress because I feel like there's been a few in the last, in the last couple of episodes. Uh, so I, first of all, I spent like, spent like 40 minutes on that first level not like trying yeah. to figure out how to stop it from looping because it yeah, loops. Yeah, so was I. And there's a there's a there's like a hidden chalice chalice somewhere. Then I thought I had found a way out by going down into that basement area. Went down there, I had two candles, I used them both. Then only after they were gone realized that the only way out is the way in, which I couldn't remember exactly where it was. And if you can't remember exactly where it was, you're just walking in the dark with no clue. Walked around there for another 20 minutes before I was just like, I'm just going to start over. <laughs> this game took me so long to play, and I still didn't get that far in it. Yeah, when you get when you get down there and you've run out of candle, because again, that's the only way that you can see. It gives you like a 5x5 five five grid of, of light. If you run out of the candle, it's not like a soft lock, because if you just if you just keep like scanning, eventually you'll come across the uh, the, the, the stairwell again. But it may as well be because that would be such a tedious task. Um, so it, it's sort of the same as that, like endless loop, unless you find the chalice. It seems like the kind of game that you would like grind in the eighties with, <laughs> you know, like if you had nothing to do, you'd just be like, "All right, I finally figured out that that's where the staircase is," and so that's just cemented in my eight-year-old memory now. And so I'm always going to remember that the staircase is right there and I'm going to go back and, you know, use that information to get uh, into the underground and then back up and be, you know, so you like kind of, it seems like the kind of thing that you gain more 
skill isn't the right word, but just experience with the more you do it. And that, le- that lets you have more fun with it just because you know the ins and outs of this kind of nonsensical level layout. Well, I think it's really for fans of like, you know, the Legend of Zelda style exploration of an overworld where you're like just looking for something, you know, I, I think the most appropriate example is the, you know, needle in the haystack where it's like you're looking for that one particular thing, but at least you're rewarded with other things along the way. There's there's like a possible yeah. uh, chance to run into a shop or to get a cool power up. And the power ups are great because they'll actually like help you for the most part, clear out or navigate the level in a way that the bombs are just a very frustrating experience after the, like, even after, even after the 20th bomb you lay down, you're like, oh, this is, this is the game, huh? Like, this is the loop, like, this is what happens. I was thinking about comparing this to Zelda, or I was, I was comparing it to Zelda, I guess, uh, uh, as I was playing it, because I know that there's some trees in Zelda you have to burn down and things like that to, um, to get secret spots, but, Zelda isn't a linear game that requires you to go from point A to point B. Like you eventually have to go beat Ganon, you know, but how you go about that it's kind of up to you. Whereas in this you really just need to get to the end of each level. And so I I don't know if that works quite as well. And well, well one opinion. thing that I I noticed that was like okay, so I I learned my lesson so I went and watched a similar video. I don't think it was a speed run, but it was like a long play of the game. And I noticed the huge difference in play style between what I was doing and what this player was doing. And once I started to emulate that and stop trying to like just uh, like do as little as I can, play more conservatively, I just started to like you know spam the bombs uh, pretty much on every tree that I saw. And once you get into that groove. Like, you don't end up in a situation where, like, oh, I'm out of bombs. I have to wait for these, like, trash mobs to sort of come into my area so that I can use two more bombs and get stuck again. Then you start to, like, you get to more of a flow because now you have uh, you have a better inventory to work with. Uh, because you're blowing so much stuff up, you're, uh, you get a lot more power-ups. So you, you, you get a little bit more creativity in how you get to approach each situation. So... It, I would have really appreciated um, that being more uh, natural, like coming across this play style would be more natural. But once I was told to play that way, uh, I enjoyed this game much more. And and here's why it's not natural, though, Sean. I think it has a lot to do with the immediate uh, understanding, uh, you know, maybe like a minute into your playthrough where you realize, wow, I'm cleaning house. Like, I'm not getting hit by my own bombs. I'm not attacking. I'm not being attacked by enemies. But what the heck's going on with my health? And then you read up yeah. on the manual and you're like, oh, I run on batteries. <laughs> and so. Well, that was another he, thing. Like, just I always get a constant power drain. And so I think that's why you took the like path of yeah you know I was technically most this. resistance yeah exactly <laughs> so i was trying to go as like just get to the end and i it told me in the manual that there would be some levels that you needed this thing or else it would keep looping i did not know it was going to be the first level but i also didn't know that like when you get those uh power-ups that refill your 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 batteries i didn't know that you had to actively use those so i'm playing the game for like a few minutes and i just keep dying because I'm just running out of batteries immediately. Little do I know that I have an inventory filled with like three or four of these things that refill you to max health. And 
So, so just learning that took a good 15 to 20 minutes. And that was not even with me changing the way I played the game. That was just learning how the inventory worked. So, right, right. Yeah. U- ultimately, it's like it's a clever explanation for like a robot that runs on batteries, right? Yeah. But it kind of it limits the fun of the game as you have to like manage your health as a constant thing. Imagine if, you know, since we're talking about Legend of Zelda, like imagine if Link constantly required you to go into the menu and use the Triforce of uh, of Courage or whatever he has. Uh, I think it's Courage. Um, and you had to constantly click on that to like replenish your health because otherwise he was constantly losing. Because, you know, going back to the fact that you have to lay down these bombs all the time, you lay down the bomb, you get that pushback I talked about earlier. You got to make sure you don't get hit by these things because yeah. the bombs do an incredible amount of damage like and you're already draining down damage as you're going. So you can't afford to. So you're almost like the whole game, you're playing this game of like drop the bomb and run, but also do something else because you're going to have to maintain this power drain that's going on. And you're going to want to lay down bombs in other places as well to pick up things more frequently. However, because of the tight passageways, there's not really an opportunity for that because you'll get hit by one or the other in, in your in your. Well, that's the thing, Mike. You got to keep like that. That's the that's sort of that playstyle, that faster, more loose playstyle. You just keep bombing to widen those passageways. So as you're going, it's sort of like you're making a wide mine in Minecraft in a way. I don't know. It's just like you just keep uh you just keep going and it becomes a lot easier to deal with the uh, I guess shrapnel from these bombs. Uh and it was just like a, a flip was switched when I figured that out and I didn't really it didn't I didn't really mind that like very quick recovery time that you had to just get away from the bomb. Uh but again, it's just like not clear that that's how you're, that's the way you're supposed to play the game, right? Well, as far as like the, I don't know, as far as far as what what you what you were talking about with the, um, I don't know, I guess it's sort of a time limit, the health kind of diminishing. I feel, I feel like we talk about this in other games a lot, and and it's always been my opinion. I think it's always I think we've always all kind of agreed that like it's never really fit <laughs> in the game that we played. So in this case. I mean, I, I think it's the same same opinion for me. Where I, I do feel like that gameplay mechanic is not inherently a bad gameplay mechanic. It, it, I think, it could belong in games that are meant to be stressful races against the clock. But this game already has plenty of other things to do and things to worry about and 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 stuff. I, I, it was weird to me to then have health and then also make it a race against the clock when you already have goal. Like it just felt like and it. It felt like they played the game and and thought uh, it's not difficult enough. You know, an easy way to make it harder is just to make you lose health automatically, no matter what, and you have to constantly manage it. It just didn't feel like it was, I don't know, integral to the gameplay. Yeah, to me, this health system is at odds with what feels natural to play the game. So, but not a natural way to play the game. So, because there's this, you know, this pressure to constant to not have your health be completely drained to me that seems like you want to get to the end of the level as soon as possible whereas that's not actually how you're supposed to play this game you're supposed to keep you know keep replenishing your health over and over again by bombing out these large areas but that doesn't seem in line with what it's like what it appears to be off the bat so that i don't know 
Totally. No, I get you, Sam, because the game, the game is at odds with itself in a lot of situations. You know, we're talking about like it wants you to explore, but it doesn't necessarily like reward exploration in the best possible manner because pickups are seemingly random depending on where you bomb. For the most part, I know like certain things are locked behind certain parts, but like some power ups just won't appear in scenarios that they will for others. And, uh, some, some things that are like trap doors or, uh, entryways to another area aren't like they don't look like they have like a brittle section that you can bomb off they just you just have to know that they're there so it like encourages that exploration but then doesn't same thing with the health that you were talking about like it wants you to explore but doesn't give you the time to do so without constantly managing that health uh so it is at odds with itself but there's another thing there sam that you talked about way early on in this episode that it just the controls and it just feels good and i think that now we're at a situation where we played almost 150 games. Well, 150th episode is next week. And we just kind of have like this, there's these tiers, right? To the controls in NES games where you just kind of like start up the game. And I think you know whether you're playing like a game that was well-programmed or not based on how it feels to be those characters. And I don't, I, I don't want to speak for everybody here, but this was a game that like upon boot up and seeing like the, the 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 graphics and the way that um Zed moved and the way that like the enemies interacted like it is a tight game like it is yeah, for sure t- it is designed and it is and it does feel good to be Zed so there is something there to, as a compliment that we haven't brought up yet of like just that that instinctive knowledge and maybe we can talk about that more of just like you have like a gut reaction to when you start up these NES games of what you're getting into right well, I think that we're getting like we've we've almost now we're almost getting a little spoiled with it. Uh, maybe that's not the right way to phrase it, but uh, like when we think back on like when we, you know when we first played Super Mario Brothers. I mean, obviously, we had played it, but played it before. But in the context of all the games we were playing around Super Mario Brothers, we were like, "Oh, now this feels like a good video game." And we got a couple more of those, and and usually they were good games. But I think now. So many more are starting to look and feel really good. I mean, some of these levels in this game were giving me, like, Chrono Trigger vibes, which is obviously a very beautiful game on the Super Nintendo. It obviously looks way better than this, but it was like, it was felt like we were going in that direction. But I think now there are so many games that are that are kind of getting it more with the feel of it and the look of it being, like, aesthetically pleasing and, and, and to feel good to play, that now we're going to get some games that look and feel good and and maybe we don't like as much because there's just so many more people are able to do that. Um, and maybe that's a opinion that's in the minority. I know uh, you mentioned this was a hidden gem to some people, so maybe, you know, maybe there's there's more to this game that we're not seeing. Yeah, I'd say it's it's a very polished game, but, like, uh, but, you know, it still has its issues as a, a whole game, but the presentation of it is very polished. And I think there's things that we would have mentioned in the past that, like, they would they would have gotten whole sections in our podcast, you know, power-ups, bosses, um, you know, the actual layout of the levels and things like that. Like, we would have spent time breaking those down. And I think we've done that enough now that we kind of don't have to do that for each game. We just kind of talk about, like, highlights of these particular games. But it, it, it's important to note, like, this game is like a, you know... It's no slog. It's uh I think it's 27 levels and there's uh there there are boss fights. Uh, it takes a little bit to get to those boss fights, but there are boss fights. 
there are unique levels. There's like, yeah. there's a water level. There's, uh, there's an underground level. Like there is, we used to reward that, right? Of like feeling like you're going on a journey. And, and we're, we're kind of passing that by here in this episode. So I just wonder if for you guys, like, were you surprised that these things were in the game on top of everything else that's here? Like, it, it, or was it just expected now that we're like moving in throughout the NES catalog? I'd say that um, it's become less of a pleasant surprise when games are as feature complete as this one is. Um, it used to just be a breath of fresh air and like, oh, thank God I'm playing a game that seems like it was crafted instead of just like it's it like the most basic interactive medium that we can think of. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we're definitely no longer as kind uh just because it it reaches like this bar of quality uh because i do think that this is a quality game uh is like no matter what problems we have with uh like the more macro uh gameplay loop like it's it's well designed in some respects uh but no you're right like we don't uh th- this isn't going to automatically become our favorite game just because it hits those bars now And if we can just talk about power-ups, since they are uh, a big part of this game in in a way that, like, you don't necessarily need, as far as I understand, you don't need power-ups for any particular situation. It's not like Metroid, where you're, like, locked behind something until you uh, until you get that specific power-up. But there's a lot of different kinds of power-ups to collect, and uh, there's, like, a it's an interesting way of handling it, because there are so many that you have to go into your menu and select them and then that's how that's how you'll be able to use them i i'm fine with that when when there's this many options i'm wondering did any of these power-ups stand stand out to you guys like was there anything that you were like oh that's a really cool thing that we haven't seen yet i mean not not that we haven't seen yet but like the missile that'll clean out like an entire row of uh of destructible objects uh, felt really good just because we've gotten so used to like just by playing the game with the bombs that can do like one on each side uh just because we have that knowledge it feels really good to just clear out an entire line uh mm-hmm. but like that's not something new but it did feel good right that was my favorite too and I, that's a good point actually i mean they they des- they designed it very well to to feel very satisfying because the bombs you got you gotten used to the much less satisfying bombs, 
Um, but I, I do think that there were even some power-ups that you do kind of need if you want to play the game naturally, like the like the candles. I mean, you, technically, you can get through it without the candles, but like if you're going, if you're if you're genuinely a beginner at this game and you're genuinely want to try and play it, you sort of need the candles. Um, oh, yeah. It's like going through those uh, cave levels in Pokemon without flash, <laughs> right? Right. right. Like, you I have to really know easier. what you're doing. I, I think that was easier because I, I mean, maybe I just had a lot more time on my hands when I was playing Pokemon, but I, I used to be able to do that. This I just feel like would not even be enjoyable to attempt. Um, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there another level later on that is dark, completely dark, also, and you need another? You need to have collected something else to just light it up, and it just lights it up permanently. I think that's uh. The third level, the lamp, yeah. right? Yeah, because yeah. that felt weird, as if it was a Metroidvania type thing. But it's so linear that it doesn't really. It's weird that it's like, oh, you could have just walked by it. Too late. You don't have it. You're in a dark level now. Yeah, that was a goofy decision. A lot of these power ups, though, they feel uh, like shmup inspired. Uh, you know, for for better or for worse, I think that's really cool. Like. The uh, the flash one that just automatically destroys all enemies on screen. I feel like we saw that in games like Zanuck. Uh and the uh, the crossfire one that lets you shoot in all four directions. Uh, another thing that just feels like something that would be more of like a a power up to your ship than a power up to your robot cyborg. Yeah, I so it's that's sort of like uh, we're getting the good stuff from shmups but we're also getting sort of the bad stuff that we've seen in other adventure-ish games uh where the um and well what what it's taking from these adventure-ish games is are these upgrades that are really just key items like the lantern serves it doesn't make you feel powerful it doesn't like add anything to the gameplay it's just basically a key item so that you're not playing a level in the dark uh but it's also taking a bunch of these shmup uh, power-ups that actually add something to the gameplay, like they're situational. Like, you're not going to want to waste all your missiles just because they're the most powerful, because there may just be a spot where you want to clear out an entire uh, an entire line, or you find yourself sort of cornered, and uh, you might want that omnidirectional shot um, that you wouldn't just want to have on at all times. So, uh so I, I like that they took that stuff from the shmups. I could have gone without the uh, the, uh, the 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 glorified key items, um, but I think it was a good balance at least. If they're going to do one or the other, my favorite power up was the boots that make you go a little bit faster, just a little bit faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's yeah. like almost hard to notice. <laughs> and you know what else? We, I mean, like the music was great. Yeah. And I really hated when your health is low enough that the music just goes away and you just get this annoying beeping sound instead. It, That's it, the worst. It, that was awful. It was it's the not worst. even Yeah, it's not even like a like a video game beeping sound. It's like a it's like a, an alarm clock, like a yeah. digital alarm clock beeping yeah. sound. It I actually had I feel like I had a spike of adrenaline when that happened, like the same like just oh my god everything hurts of like when you are like you snoozed and now you're late <laughs> uh, but like you, you just hear that piercing alarm clock it was not it did not feel good <laughs> well you shouldn't let your health get low yeah that'll teach you what if i told you that the nes version is actually easier than the famicom version you'd probably believe me because you know that the japanese like their games harder for the moment but like could you would you want this game to be any harder how is it harder 
you take a lot more damage for anything. Like, bombs will practically just kill you if you get hit by one, and all enemy damage is significantly, like, upgraded. I, mean, yeah, I don't I think, think I'd want so. that. No, I don't. And I, I think that already the bombs damage you too much, considering that they're a vital part of the gameplay, and every now and then you might accidentally place it wrong and get pushed in the opposite direction that you wanted to go. So yeah, I already had pretty, with that. It's pretty I wanted rough. to be more powerful. Yeah, I think going further in that direction is... I think I think making it more difficult is not a bad idea, but but doing it in the ways we talked about earlier with, like, making the, like, puzzle challenge more difficult, not just... I feel like that's what, what what you're talking about is almost the same thing as what we were talking about with the, uh, the health diminishing. It just feels like an artificial way to make it more difficult. There is a way to just jump to any level you want, otherwise known as a level select code. Uh, this one is actually like really easy. There's no like plugging in a second controller or doing a very long <laughs> string of things. It's just up, left, and select on the title screen. Wow. Huh. That's a very simple code. What does that do? It, level it select. Cre- it, level select, yeah. You can just pick any level in the game you want. Oh. I feel like that's something anybody could have just stumbled on. You know, like, there's always these cheat codes that you're like, how? What? <laughs> like, right. who'd, who discovered that? Do you guys remember when there was, like, uh, Cheat Code Central or oh, yeah. uh, Tips, and, Tips and Tricks Magazine? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and, and it would just be, like thousands of pages there was this tips and tricks like end of year yeah. one that was just like every code known to man and you're like but who discovers them like do the developers just give them out to the reviewers and then like say like like do they give them to ign and be like reveal these over time like how do they get developed well my my favorite was like i mean i use cheat code central a lot but that was usually for like game shark codes and i know that like game shark or whatever the company that makes it like they came up with like most of them, but that but then there are definitely people that are just like inputting random strings of of code and like just taking whatever that is and uh a- and releasing it. I I never quite understood like like somebody's got to brute force that for hours to find anything worthwhile. My favorite were the the Tony Hawk codes that you had to hold L for. You had to pause it and hold L and then do a series of button combinations. And then the screen would shake if you got it right. All right. Well, you know what? Cheats or not, the you <laughs> cannot, in the North American version of RoboWarrior, you cannot unlock the special theme song option without, like, brute forcing your way into the, like, game itself and changing some RAM addresses. But so they, they, so they really have the hit, data on the card. The data's on there, but you have to change like RAM address dollar sign zero two F eight to uh dollar sign zero one F eight. Oh. Uh <laughs> which is like yeah, I don't even know if you can it's do that with like you say uh, it now. <laughs> I don't even know if you could do that with like a game shark or, or any or a game genie. You know, I don't think you could do that. Uh change no. RAM How addresses. How does that work? How would you do that? I, you'd have to I you'd guess have to hack like, into the mainframe. Yeah, as always, you know, you got to use your NES mouse and NES keyboard and hack into the game itself uh, (laughs) manually. But it was a real thing, though. Believe it or not, a theme song option complete with lyrics for the theme song that would appear on screen. Like a Uh, sing-along? Yeah, essentially. But like, I guess (laughs) not not necessarily. Like, I guess any music video that has like 
words on it would, oh, like would subtitles. be subtitles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but these are but this is the only thing you're getting. It's just words. There's no visuals. It's just the words. It appears in the Japanese version and just happened. It just appears on the main menu screen after you uh enter the item shops in levels 1, 3, 6, 9, 12, 16, and 21. Just die after that and return to the title screen and you'll be able to select the theme song. Do we have that? Are we going to throw that up? I'll play the theme song right now. feel gypped i feel gypped not hearing that (laughs) and that was the lovely theme song so if that wasn't obvious like if that theme song didn't make you think oh this is Bomberman," like 100 (laughs) percent, just like the game itself is let's go into the sequels and spinoffs section and let me tell you if you forget that this game is connected to Bomberman, that's fine just know that it is also connected to blaster master you know, I can see that. I think it. I, I, I think it looks like Blaster Master. That's Blaster Blaster Master Junior for Game Boy is actually Bomber King Scenario Two in Japan. <laughs> it sounds like it's like a like a file name. And I think yeah, it's true. Scenario Two, <laughs> like they forgot to finish it. Yeah. Uh, but that does make sense, though, right? I know what you're talking about, Joe, and that's because those parts where you actually like enter. Uh, those little areas in Blaster Master and then become like uh, it becomes like an action game where you have like, uh, you know, your bigger version of yourself and you have to fight off those enemies like that is essentially like a recipe for Bomber King in a way like without the without the bomb emphasis. I think it's it, it, it lends itself to that same look. And so it makes sense that when the Game Boy game was like being localized. They just said, hey, you know what, uh, it, Bomber King, Robo Warrior, whatever, let's just name it after a successful franchise and call this one Blaster Master Jr. But please, do not judge this game on the levels of Bomberman, which we have not played yet, but don't, don't judge it based off of that awesome Bomberman Sega Saturn game that has like the availability to have 10 players play at once. Don't judge it on that, and don't judge it as Blaster Master, because that's already an essential game. I uh, can't say if Blaster Master Jr. would or would not be. That's a Game Boy game that we'll never get to. So with that in mind, okay, don't judge it as either of those. I want you to judge it as Robo Warrior, not Bomber King, in our essential games list. Now, guys, I made a lot of demands there just now. And I'm letting you know that I'm just willing to rescind all of those demands. If the essential games list for you is just always a comparison of is this Bomberman or not, then I guess, like, technically, Super Mario Brothers is or is not Bomberman based on whether you say if it's Bomberman, it's an essential game, or if it's not Bomberman, it's not an essential game. You know, like, it, it, I get it, all right? So, 
Sorry that I imposed all those rules. All rules are off. This time, you don't even have to vote if it's essential or not. Sean? I abstain. <laughs> Sam? Wait, no, I got something. What's um, bummer, man? <laughs> uh, so, I'd, so my first part, like the, the first run through this, uh, I, I, this would have just been like a don't play it, uh, avoid this game. It, it, it just is an endless loop and not all that interesting. But once I finally found out from external sources how to play this game, I did have a lot of fun with it. Uh, you just have to know that. And th- like the fact that you can play this game so wrong that you can hate it, um, it is it's still like a point against it. So I'm I'm not going to go so far as to put this game. I know that we've been kind of negative on this game, but I'm not going to go so far as to call this essential. But I will say that it is a, a play it for me. Just figure out how to play it first. <laughs> Play it, but figure it out. I like that. Sam? I feel like I'm in kind of in a similar place where the game itself has a lot of really cool stuff going for it, and it feels very polished, and it feels like you're real, like you're playing an NES game. I know that's stupid to say, but if you're like trying to... If you want to play a retro game, this is a good retro game experience. Um, but I think that it suffers from a lot of the stuff that retro, game, retro games suffer from. It's kind of confusing. And the as satisfying as it feels to play off the bat, the core loop is a little it just doesn't really make sense to me. And it's not as streamlined as I think an essential game is. So I would vote not essential, but definitely play it. Great. Joe? Yeah, I think that um, I, I definitely had the experience where I first was playing it wrong, and then I learned how to play it, and, and it and it got better. But I still don't think, even then, I don't even really think I had much fun with it once. Uh, once I like kind of like figured out how to play it, it still felt like the correct way to play it was just uh, like one long grind. Like it was grind to the game to me. Um, so for that reason, I, I'm not even sure I would give it a play it. I do think that, and this is something I say all the time, so I feel like I'm a broken record with a lot of games, but similar to what you just said, Sam, I do think that that, like all of the elements to make a good game are there, but they just didn't put them in the right order or utilize them in the right places to make, you know, to to make them, to make satisfying game design for me. Not that I know anything about game design, but I, I, I just know while playing it didn't feel particularly fun like i wasn't invested it just felt too repetitive yeah i think this hits hidden gem level for people because they've played all the good nes games they thought there were no more and then they play something like this and find a lot of redeeming qualities in it and all of a sudden it's like you know this is the new jazz like you want to you want to play this right away and i i think the problem there is not that like hidden gem buzz like ruins expectations or anything like that. But I, for this game in particular, I just wasn't on board with the overall like gameplay loop and design aspect of it. And instead, as I continued to play for the podcast, I found a lot of like redeeming qualities throughout, but it always like, for the most part felt to be a chore, you know, you had to constantly keep 
bombing and looking and bombing and dodging and tackling enemies and hoping that you find that key that you're looking for. And yes, in today's day and age, you could go on strategy wiki or game facts and you could try and like figure out where these things are faster. But I don't really know if you're playing the game then, because if the whole thing was built around the idea of bomb stuff to find stuff, if you just, you know, look up a, a, a walkthrough for a game like this, it's not the same thing because all of a sudden, you know, it's just, I know where this thing is on the map and I'm just going to go there. You're not rewarded for exploring anything else at that point. Why, why explore if you already know where the thing is? So I did have fun with the game, but only in moments, not overall. And that's why it can't go on the essential games list for me. But it's been a good episode. I feel like, you know, outside of our Tony Hawk tangent, which may or may not be in the show, so people will be like, wait, Tony Hawk had tangent. I want to hear more about that. If you want to hear more about that, send a check to NostalgiaCast for like, actually send a blank check and we'll, you know, we'll be well, good guys. It has, we- to have, it has to have your signature on it, though. No, no, just send us a blank check. I trust them. <laughs> I, like, like, I, I think it'd be more fun to look at the name, the printed name of the person's check and then say like, oh, this is how they would sign their check. Just like and a corn check. Sign it. Yeah, a corn Just... check, not a rice check from a cereal box, relatively fresh. Oh, check I, like checks, checks. Yeah, cereal? But one check. <laughs> That's the singular of it. Checks quest. I, yeah. I don't know what we're doing anymore. Do you think that uh, in Queen's Gambit season two, she'll ever like <laughs> go to London and like? write a check for an obscene amount of money and just hand it to the guy and be like, here's the check, mate. Spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. That's how the series will end. It'll be like, oh, shoot, checkmate. Got it's him. all leading up to this. Speaking of checkmate, we'll play chess eventually on the NES. There's got to be one. Oh, and I bring up chess because it's all the rage right now. You literally can't buy a chess set if you tried. Hmm. You can make Isn't one. Isn't that though. funny? Isn't that funny? NESs, you can buy them on eBay. Chess sets, nah. Well, when a uh, a hit Netflix show uh, is out and it's just about the NES and how perfect it is, then maybe it'll have the same kind of marketed forces. When we get our Netflix show, <laughs> is what true. you're saying. Yes, Sean. you're right. right. <laughs> Which, you know, is something we'll announce when it happens, but currently we can neither confirm nor deny those rumors that you've Cannot been hearing comment. online. Yeah. Yep. The real reason why we haven't signed a deal with Netflix yet is we don't want to disappoint Christopher Nolan. <laughs> He's very against streaming services, and I just don't think I could do that to him. Well, so. And we, we record all of these podcasts on film, <laughs> so it's it's just very important that we, we stick to our roots and uh, uh, we, stay, we stay analog. Yes. Stay analog. Everybody should stay analog. Uh, don't make yourself a digital persona and, and uh, exist solely as a vlogger, uh, if you will. Like, that's just the, the, game, the name of the game here. Nostalgia. Still, uh, <laughs> oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead, I was, was going to say, you can still be a vlogger, but it's got to be like taking 8 millimeter video of yourself and then displaying them at like uh you know a cocktail party or you could Do just you go to the that was a terrible joke to <laughs> <laughs> I won't follow up then. <laughs> he's uh, Michael I, Esposito yeah I'll tell you where yeah. you can find us if you're interested <laughs> oh man uh you can find us on Twitter at 
NostalgiaCast. Remember, that's N-E-S, not N-O-S. We have no nostalgia, but we have a lot of nostalgia. <laughs> Join us next week for the big, uh, what is it? Is it the actual 150th episode? Well, uh, why would that- we care about that? We're, we're, we only care about the 153rd. No, this is the 150th episode. What? Right now. Happy birthday. Hey, congrats. The whole time. Yeah, the whole time we've been doing it, we're like, ah, the 150th episode is coming up, and here it is. I love that. This is also the 100th episode, if you want it to be. It's also the 79th episode. No, no, no. They're numbered. They're, They're, like, objectively numbered. They're numbered in order of how much we like them. So 10 Yard Fight was our favorite game. That's true. Uh, no, sorry. Next week. This week is special because it's the 150th episode. Next week is special because it's Skate or Die, episode 151. Just in time for Christmas Day. You can celebrate Christmas with nostalgia, uh, you know, instead of opening up gifts. Hopefully you get some <laughs> cool, sweet uh, NES gifts as well. And you know what would be a great place to, like, tell us what NES-related or Nintendo-related or video game-related or life-related gifts you got? That would be on the Twitter. Pinterest. If you tell us, yeah, the tweet tweet at us on like that Friday or Saturday, be like, look at this awesome copy of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I got, uh, signed by Kevin Eastman, and I'd be like, wow, that's awesome, thanks. But uh, I hope I didn't get anyone's hopes up because that's a pretty big Christmas gift, and I'm not sure Santa can deliver that for everyone. <laughs> anyway, long post Peter show, Laird? long ending thing. What's that, Sam? I said, but is it signed by Peter Laird? No, just one of them. You can't. You can't have both. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I don't get that. Uh, oh, interesting. He, okay, so Sean knows one. nothing. Yeah, Sean knows nothing about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He'll be off for that episode. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. And you know, this is where we're going to end the show. We're just going to end it now. So sorry for everybody who listened. Uh, I'm Michael Esposito. You can find me at Esposito Film on Twitter, and we'll be talking to you real soon. Uh, ho ho ho. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and uh, Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Also, there was a good pause sound in this game.